In the world of sports, there's a phenomenon every single year in every single sport where there is an unexpected team that surprises everybody and has great success. And uh, these teams always make the experts look really foolish for their preseason predictions. You guys already know where I'm going with this. Case in point, the 2022 Cleveland Guardians did a, yeah, we almost had some applause there, yeah. Um, there we go, okay. We'll, we'll have to clap louder for Jesus later or something. Um, but, the, you know, looking back, do you remember like back in March or something, were there any experts that predicted that the Guardians would have even a winning season? Did anyone predict, oh, I think they're going to win their division or win a playoff series or go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the New York Yankees in the playoffs? The answer is exactly zero, I believe. Even the most diehard Cleveland baseball fan probably would have been like, yeah, I think we're going to have a pretty rough season this year. And yet, they came out of nowhere and are surprising us. And it is this, this motivating factor, I think, is this attitude that it's us against the world, okay? It's like, nobody believes in us, it's us against the world, and I think that's the attitude that Cleveland has, and this is kind of a phenomenon that exists not only in the world of sports, but, but it transcends that, and it exists in other parts of our lives as well. Maybe you're even thinking, yes, I've felt that before, where nobody believed in me, it was me against the world, and I'm gonna prove the haters and the doubters wrong, right? I'm gonna do that thing that nobody thinks I can do, and it kind of spurs you on. Now, we're talking about the, the positive side of this so far, this, it's us against the world, but we all know that that can also have kind of a negative outcome as well. Maybe that's been your experience before too, where you have felt like everything is stacked against you, the odds are against you, nobody's gonna help you, and so you just get, you just kind of feel alienated and, and discouraged and overwhelmed, and you, the temptation is to think, well, it's no use, everyone's against me, why even try, right? And really, that's, that's probably the way that it goes most of the time. There are far more sports teams, we'll say, who um, nobody believed in, and they were right, right? Because they didn't have a good year. Those just aren't usually like the ones that they make movies about, right? You know, so if the, if the Guardians had finished 20 games under 500, we wouldn't be talking about them today. Uh, we'd be like, I don't know, complaining about the Browns or something. Yeah. Oh, wait, I guess we can do both. Um, but it's us against the world. That's a concept that I want us to reflect upon today. And our... Our sinful saint of the week is Saint Athanasius. Say that three times fast, right? Saint Athanasius. And he was fond, well, I don't know if he was fond of, but he, he at times would describe his own life as being Athanasius against the world. That's maybe how his biography would have been titled, Athanasius against the world. And, uh, he used this to describe kind of the main conflict in his life because he was a faithful teacher of who Jesus was from as revealed in God's word, but he was met with a lot of opposition in his day, St. Athanasius was. 
Um, so how was, how was the world against him? How was the world against Athanasius? Well, first of all, we have to define that little word world, don't we? Because Christians use it in different ways. The Bible uses that word in different ways. I want to just talk about two different ways that we might use it. One would be more the positive way. Sometimes we hear the word world and, and we think of, for God so loved the world, right? You know, he sent his only son. Um, we think about that. Like, oh, God wants everyone to be saved. Um, we should, as Christians, we should, we're being sent out into the world to make disciples and to teach and baptize. And, and that's, that's the positive side of, of the use of the word world. Uh, it's not really the one that, that Athanasius was using, and it's not really the one that we're going to use today because there is a more negative sense of the word world. And so those five letters kind of stand as a shorthand for just the reality that in, this, in God's creation, there is a sinful opposition to God, and it runs rampant throughout the world. Led by Satan... Satan has convinced the creatures to resent and oppose and even hate their creator. So when Athanasius uses the word, you know, the phrase, how the world was against him, that's what he's talking about. We as Christians, we can still love the people in the world, but realize that there is a phenomenon going on where truly the world is against us, and we're going to talk about that more. But how was the world against Athanasius? Well, first of all, the world was against him uh, because he was speaking the truth about Jesus. Now, um, most people back in the day, this, this is like the 4th century A.D., okay? We're, going, we're always going so far back. Uh, this is actually more recent than some of these saints we've talked about. But 4th century A.D. in Alexandria, Egypt, okay? Maybe you've heard of their lighthouse or their library, right? Um, also Athanasius, you know, famous, famous guy who grew up there. He became a leader in the church, and he grew up, you know, confessing Jesus as the Son of God, knowing the historical teaching about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God that we, you know, that's the God that we confess as well. But there was, there was another, there was another um, pastor named Arius, also in Alexandria, and he got this notion that Jesus was not God. He was something lesser than that, something lower. So you have God the Father up here, and then Jesus, the Son of God, some, doesn't fit in the same category. Maybe he's kind of divine as like a sub-deity or something, somewhere between like the Father and the angels, kind of in here somewhere. But he was preaching a different Jesus. And Athanasius opposed him, and so did, so did most of the other church leaders there in Alexandria, and eventually, uh, they were able to exile Arius and his false teaching away from the area. And it was so nice because then they never heard from Arius again. That heresy was put to rest. And no, one, no, that's not the way it went. Arius, from exile, began a letter-writing campaign that the Apostle Paul would have been proud of. And he's writing about his view about this lesser kind of fake version of Jesus far and wide. So now the controversy is not just in Egypt, but it's going throughout the whole known world. The church is in an uproar, and so they decided to convene this council at Nicaea in the early 4th century to kind of have it out 
Let's, let's decide once and for all. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's look at the historic church teaching and the interpretation of the scriptures. And what do we believe about Jesus? You know? So everybody who was anybody in the church showed up there and they met for days. And the conclusion was that they, they formulated this statement of faith that has become what we now call the Nicene Creed. One of the great creeds statements of faith that the church has been confessing now for centuries and that whole first part of the second article goes in and talks about you know the origins of God and the relationship between the father and the son and it describes the son as being of one substance with the father in response to this Arian heresy and so the council declared then, finally, that you know, the two are inseparable, really, in fact, the three, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all equally and eternally God. And so the council declared for the world to know that Jesus is God. It's kind of really confirmed the historic teaching of the church. And the beautiful thing was that nobody ever heard from Arius again, right? I've already, you've already, I've already tried to fool you with that one once, uh, but no. Arius and his minions did not give up and they kept sowing this false teaching throughout the churches and it actually, it actually still is around today because Satan is good at kind of repackaging and recirculating these things again and again but this leads us to our next point then the world also was against Athanasius because it wanted to prevent him from making disciples who would follow Jesus I just had this image of Athanasius, you know, being at the Council of Nicaea and packing his bags to go back home, thinking, oh, my ministry is going to be so easy now that this all is put to rest, this heresy is gone, everybody knows the truth about Jesus, but it actually got harder for him. He became the bishop of Alexandria, and he was the bishop for 17 years. During those 17 years, he was exiled five separate times. Can you believe that? He would be exiled. And then a couple years later, maybe the, the political winds in the church would blow a different way and he'd be restored again. And then a couple years later, he'd be exiled again. You know, Because this Arius, he was a hometown guy also. He was a popular preacher. And so people, you know, he had a following. They, they called themselves the Arians. And they were you know, perpetuating this thing. And so Athanasius, you know, he kind of had a choice. Like, can I, am I going to compromise Am I going to just give up? Or am I going to faithfully preach the real Jesus against this fake, lesser version of Jesus? Athanasius at one point was recorded as saying, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. I hope I say something half that cool someday. If the world is against the truth, I am against the world. He felt like... He the world was against him, yet he faithfully preached Jesus to the world that was against him, even. As we heard in our scriptures, you know, the world, the world didn't even know him. And yet Jesus came down from heaven, became one of us, the God-man, suffered and died for this world who rejects him to make forgiveness and life available. And that's that's the message that Athanasius wanted to preach. Even to this world that was against him, he kept on preaching Jesus. Now what about you guys? 
Have you ever felt like the world is against you? It's me against the world. Anybody ever felt that before? Probably. Now, if you, if you share this with your, like, your friend or something, like, I think the world's against me. Your friend's probably going to, like, roll their eyes at you. Oh, you're just being dramatic. You're being paranoid. The world, the whole world is against you. Come on. Well, I'm here to validate that feeling from the Bible, okay? Because there's, there's Jesus predicted this would happen. So first, we have um, from 1 John chapter 3. This is uh, the Apostle John really just like reiterating things that Jesus told them. It says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Well, oops, I guess it's true. The world hates you. Jesus also said in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Okay? So the world is against you because you follow Jesus. It's like by association, the world is opposed to you. It opposed Jesus. If it opposes the master that we follow, why wouldn't it oppose and hate the followers as well? It just makes sense. And I think at this point, we need to all uh, stop and really understand that, you know, Christians really do not have, like, this majority status or anything, this kind of protected status in the world anymore. Um, now, if you're like me, maybe some of you guys are kind of like me. Like, I, I feel like I live in this Christian bubble too often, right? Uh, most of the people that I know okay, like, are at this church. They're Christians, you know. Um, maybe, maybe that's how you are as well. Most people you, you associate with are, are Christian people. For some of you, that's probably not the case at all. Um, but you, you might sometimes like get, get lulled into a false sense of security. Well, most people still follow Jesus, at least the ones that I know. And then maybe you think, ah, the world's not really against us. The world's really not that bad of a place anymore. Um, but it is, with each passing day, with each passing week, Christians are being pushed further to the margins of society. Uh, God's truth is being rejected um, you know, it's, it's ancient, it's, it's irrelevant, you know, it's bigoted, you know, it's, it doesn't apply anymore. I mean, you guys have a sense of this, at least, at least a little bit, I'm sure. And it's, it's only, you know, I hate to be a downer and scare people today, but it's only going to get worse. The world is against us. And I think the faster that we realize that this is, is the reality, um, the more urgency we will have about being the church and standing firm and confessing Christ as he sends us out into the world. Now, the world is also, um, not only is it against you, but it also actively wants to disciple you away from Jesus or to follow a kind of a fake version of Jesus. Satan doesn't really care exactly like if you, you know, follow like, the opposite of Jesus. He's really good at just twisting things a little bit, making a small change in the word of God to make you think that you're still following, ah, that's, this is a close enough version of Jesus, right? I mean, it's counterfeit Jesus, but it's, ah, maybe it's close enough. Maybe it'll slip through the cracks. Um, 
As long as he can get you away from the real Jesus, that's, that's his goal. Then, then he's, he's done everything that he wants to do. Um, but the world is trying actively to shape you, to disciple you, to form you a different way than the word of God is trying to disciple you. And I believe that the world is, it knows its stuff better than we do right now. The world kind of has its script down to a pretty good perfection. And so Christians, you know, kind of shame on the church, I guess, shame on us as Christians for not being as closely uh, connected to God in worship or in his word so that we kind of flail and flounder when we get out in the world and we're, and we're you know, facing this opposition. And then we're like, I don't know, that sounds pretty close to the Jesus that I know. Or, that, oh, they're making some good points. And then we just kind of, we don't stand firm. We shake and we fall. So I think if we're aware, you know, like, if we're aware as adults, you know, know that the world is trying to disciple you away from Jesus. You know, kids, be aware that the world is trying to take you away from Jesus. If we're aware of this, then we can get closer to Jesus and stand firm and pray to him that he can help us in this fight against the world. Now, when we feel like it's us against the world, uh, there are kind of two different paths that we could choose. The first one would be, if you can't beat them, join them. What do you guys think about that one? Sound good? I'm seeing some, some shaking of heads. That's encouraging, at least. Uh, it would be easier, though, right? To just kind of change lanes and go along with the world. To uh, allow the world to disciple me away from Jesus. I, you know, sometimes it gets kind of tough to defend Jesus. I get kind of ashamed of things that Jesus says sometimes and things that he does. It's kind of exhausting sometimes. The, the world's version of Jesus is a little bit easier to follow. Or maybe it would be easier just to not follow him at all, right? That's the path that the world is showing me. It's pretty clear and pretty simple. This was the temptation that Athanasius faced, that, you know, in the aftermath of the Council of Nicaea, the Arians had a strong foothold in his church body, and Athanasius could have said, oh, let's just make a deal with the Arians, and then we'll have a nice, I'll have a nice peaceful ministry, it'll be easy, and uh, you know, that'll, that'll be that. It's close enough to the real Jesus, no one will notice, but Athanasius did not back down. He did not compromise, he stood firm. And that's the second choice for us. It really, it's the only choice for us as Christians to stand firm and to hold on to the real Jesus to stand firm in our faith, to stick to the word of God as it's revealed in the Bible. For us, as Christians, we, we gotta get to know the real Jesus more and more and to know that all of this, this is truth, this is reality, that Jesus really is God, that he really came down as one of us, suffered and died, that he really rose again, and that he really is preparing eternal life for us, that he will really be with us every step of the way as we hold fast to that confession of faith that he has given to us. We gotta stand firm, just like Athanasius. He relentlessly pointed to the real Jesus. He did not want anything to do with a cheap knockoff version of Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus. Don't give me the fake Jesus, give me the real Jesus. And that's what we gotta say too. The real Jesus comes 
to you in his word, in his sacrament, the real Jesus goes with you. And the real Jesus is the one who has already overcome the world. He has overcome the world so that you don't have to overcome the world on your own. But you will be saved through Jesus. So stand firm. And as we're in the world, we can confess that Jesus to a world who needs him just as much as we need him. But stand firm and get to know the real Jesus day by day. In his name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you will help us to stand firm. We know that this battle against the world is tough. We are overmatched. We are overwhelmed. But we know that with you on our side, we will overcome. Help us to cling to the real Jesus, not to go to the left or to the right. Grant us to be faithful. In Jesus' name.